0: that's really important because remote workers very often feel isolated. They very often feel unheard. They very often feel unseen. Feeling positively heard is a really important skill for everybody who is working remotely to develop. It keeps people motivated and it keeps people feeling that they're part of the team rather than just this person out wherever they are in the world that we're just using to get a job done.
1: You are listening to the Managing Remote Teams podcast, the show taking a kind, cool-headed and fair look at remote teams. I'm the host, Luke Shermer, and I've participated in or run distributed teams for almost a decade as a practitioner. I'm speaking with experts on leadership, strategic alignment and remote work to help you navigate the issues you start facing after you get your working from home gear sorted. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. This is Luke Shermer, the author of Align Remotely. And today on the Managing Remote Teams podcast, we have a wonderful episode lined up for you. I'm excited to speak to Joe Houghton, who's a professor at UC Dublin at the Graduate School of Business. And he's now a management consultant and coach, but he comes from a 20-year career in international business with multinational companies, running IT and business teams, developing things like remote Salesforce automation software, telemetry systems, and later just generally managing teams everywhere across the globe. After his stint as a global manager at GE, he went into academia and teaches a lot and advises around remote working and learning to businesses and charities via his company, Houghton Consulting. So today you will learn useful kit and tips on optimizing your working from home setup as a manager. The topic of kit is somewhat of a back-to-basics thing, but I think it's still quite practical, as I did pick up a thing or two myself after speaking with Joe. I think also he has a lot of insight into how to be more intentional about interactions at work. He's got a wonderful tip about relaxing your brain in two minutes if you're constantly in front of a screen. And I think the big the big thing for me this time around was the combating of team member loneliness. He's got a really good insight in terms of how to deal with this issue, as well as communicating how you ex- expect the team to perform when everyone is remote as a team leader, as a manager. Let's dig into the show. Joe Houghton, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks very much. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. Yeah.
1: So can you say a few words about how you got into the topic of remote and helping people adapt to remote work?
0: Yeah, I've been using remote for 15, 20 years now. I do management consulting. I'm a professor um, at the business school in Dublin, where I teach business. uh, And one of the courses that I teach is remote working and, and managing virtual and distributed teams. I've done many contracts and stuff where i'm running teams remotely and i had 20 years in big business up until about 2000 where i ran multinational teams for large corporations in t- including ge so i've got a lot of experience of working out of a laptop and out of a suitcase and also managing and interacting with teams you know all over the world
1: so how have things changed relative to the 90s that would seem a lot of technology would have shifted since then and how have people's attitudes towards it changed?
0: The technology has become more, Accessible. If you cast your mind back to the nineties, that's 30 years now, isn't it? It's scary. We didn't have laptops like we do now. They were big, luggable. If you had one at all, we didn't have tablets. We didn't have mobile phones and stuff like that. Whereas these days, we just don't even think about this stuff. We have a screen in our hand or to our hands almost all the time. We had very early connections and very slow connections. All that stuff has improved for a lot of people. But not for everybody. I'm, I'm in Dublin in Ireland. In, in main Dublin, you've probably got pretty good internet. You go outside of Dublin and head west, in, even in Ireland, and you've got people living 30 miles away from me who have appalling connections and are finding it very difficult to work from home. So even though perhaps the accessibility to the technology has improved over the last 20, 30 years, it's by no means for everyone. Uh, and it's by no means ubiquitous even today. Perhaps Stalin will sort it out.
1: From what I remember when working in the 90s, I think most of it was email based in terms of communication out of necessity between offices. Uh, So it still was in the office. With much higher bandwidth, I think certain things become possible which weren't before. (laughs) Indeed.
0: Indeed. I mean I I remember being in charge of teams writing kind of Salesforce automation software, early distributed databases, working with things like Lotus Note early early kind of systems to, to share sales information or marketing information across large sales forces, for instance. But we were hugely constrained by bandwidth and Mm -hmm. uh, very often people would have to leave their computer plugged in overnight for that big presentation to download at 56k or whatever it was that we were using at the time so yeah it's super fast yeah it's got a lot easier with the speed increases
1: so let's go here you help a lot of people adapt to remote working individually what's the most common thing that you see that they believe that's true about remote working but actually isn't especially when they're first getting started?
0: Communication fundamentally is the thing that drives the way we do business together. Whether you're in person or whether you're working on the end of a Zoom call or a WebEx or a Teams call or whatever, the the fundamentals around communication don't change, but they just get more difficult. And I think people who are forced into or find themselves having to work remotely underestimate the challenges around communication that not being in person bring. And particularly for managers, if you're responsible for managing teams or coordinating projects, that kind of stuff, it can be very easy to overlook the added managerial load in in terms of time, in terms of being proactive, in terms of ensuring things that you've got uh, one big problem that i see a lot of people do is that they assume that because they've got a good connection and they've got the right kit and they've got a fast laptop and everything that everybody else in the team has too and almost always that's not the case (laughs) yeah particularly if you've got a global team and you've Mm. got people in different parts of the world so Access to bandwidth will be different. People will have different types of kit. People will be running different versions of the software and they're not all up on the same space. So what you have to do is you have to be much more intentional. You have to do things like an equipment audit. You have to do a skills audit. You have to find the lowest common denominator between all your people, wherever they are, and play to that. Because you can't play to the highest common denominator. You can't assume everybody can, you know, download stuff on 5G within 10 seconds if somebody's on a really slow dial-up connection. And some people still are.
1: Can you unpack communication a little bit more?
0: Because that's a previous
1: guest has pointed out that within communication skills, you've got everything to what a nurse might mean when dealing with a patient to making a presentation in front of 75 people online while sitting at McDonald's like I did in the past. What do you mean by communication?
0: The most important part of communication is actually seeing each other as people and not as cogs in a machine. It's very easy in business, particularly when you're remote, to go to task-based interactions
1: mm.
0: immediately. What that loses is the five minutes before the meeting that you would normally have had in the office where you meet around the coffee machine yeah, or the water cooler, and you're just having that catch-up chat, and you're asking about the kids and how your weekend went and all that kind of stuff. But when we get onto Zoom, we don't tend to do that. We don't tend to do that chit chat. It's two o'clock, let's start the meeting, first agenda point We don't know whether you're having a bad day. We don't know whether something's happened at home or whatever, and because we're all remote, because we're not physically connected, I've not had time to see your body language before the meeting. I've not had time to see that you're down, and you've put your game face on and you've jumped in, and we miss that perhaps that's the first bit of communication is Mm -hmm. just be aware of each other as people um, and know that everybody's going through a hard time because i don't think anybody isn't going through a hard time at the moment and i don't care whether that's the president of the company or whether that's some mid-level manager or whether that's somebody further down the food chain everybody's going through problems so we've got to treat each other kind of like human beings then there's the stuff that you you mentioned that they're doing the presentation from the middle of McDonald's. You've got to adjust your delivery to the small screen. Talking to camera is really difficult if you're not used to doing it. Just getting used to talking into a screen and into a camera is very difficult for people. For instance, just the physical setup of your office. The best thing I bought last year was a $15 laptop stand. This laptop stand allows you to put the laptop up. Instead of sitting flat on the desk, it allows you to put it up at an angle, which raises the top where the the webcam is to eye level. Mm. Just that can, can completely transform how you come across on screen. Yeah. So because my camera's at eye level, if you look behind me, all the verticals are vertical. And the horizontals are horizontal, and it doesn't look like the camera's looking up my nose or whatever. Um, <laughs> so it's, 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 we're, we're at the right angle, and there's no kind of cognitive dissonance in terms of what's in the background. So you've got to think about how you're coming across. I've got you on a second screen behind my laptop, okay? And I'm talking to you, to, to your image on the screen, and I've got you right next to the webcam. So it looks like I'm looking... Straight at you because mm-hmm. you're right next to the webcam. So little things like this can actually cause quite a lot of difference on how you come across and how you're perceived by the other people in the meeting, by the people that you're trying to communicate with. And that, and you, you're also trying to listen to them and you're trying to communicate to them. But if, if they, let me move my eyes down to the bottom of my screen. Now, if I carry on talking now, it's a completely different beast, isn't it, in terms of the communication, because I'm not looking at you, my eyes are down. Whereas when I come back up, and I'm looking at you again, we've got that connection. So there's a bit of training for people, I think, required for a lot of people who've moved online to just be aware of this stuff, get some decent lights, have some lighting from the front, because so many people will sit themselves with a window behind them, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no lighting, it looks like that old Queen video, the the, the Bishmila video where, where, you know, all the lighting's in the wrong place and everybody's eyes look dark and, and horrible and all the rest of it. So coming across well on screen is something that doesn't just happen. You need to actually work at that, and I think you need to help your people do that. I've, I spend a lot of time with my university students coaching them on this kind of stuff because at the end of their course, they're going for a job. And at the moment, all those interviews are going to be over Zoom or they're going to be over Teams. So they better be able to come over well within that first five minutes because you only get that one chance to make that impression.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the good news is that these are mostly things that you do once and then... Take advantage of it. Yes. Yeah. No. You only have
0: to buy a webcam once and you only have to, you know, <laughs> but, 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 but you, you probably do need to buy a, a little bit of kit. If you're going to be working remotely, don't just assume that the laptop webcam is going to be good enough because then most of them are not most mm-hmm. them pretty awful. You need to maybe invest 50, 100 bucks in a decent webcam. Mm-hmm. You, you need to buy a couple of lights. Yeah. And these ring lights that you see advertised now, they're great one or two of those either side of you just giving you a bit of lighting stuff like that can make a huge difference and as i say a laptop stand as well because that that makes a huge difference so an external keyboard so that you can be a little bit further back uh, and a decent microphone
1: yeah
0: the most important thing about video is the audio you know that you run a podcast but uh, but most people don't get that they don't even think about it so so buy yourself a little usb mic it will double or triple the quality of your audio. And again, that means that you come over more clearly, that what you've got to say is heard better and people will take you on more credibly if they can hear you well and if you come over well.
1: Yeah, and one of the one of the things that came across, sorry, that, that I found super helpful is uh, one of these docking station things too, because then you could hook up multiple screens and see more at once, that's another piece of gear.
0: In some research done on the fact that you tend to be more productive as a remote worker if you have a second screen that you can use, you've got more real estate. You can have more windows open at the same time. You've not got that switching cost of, of switching between applications on one small screen. So that's pretty pretty good. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Screens
0: are cheap these days, so uh, you know you don't have to to, to splurge out a lot. And a little trick there. Black Friday last year. <laughs> I went online and enriched Mr. Bezos a little bit more, but I spent, I think, $250, $300 on a 42-inch 4K TV, which is now mounted on the kitchen wall. I'm very often down on the kitchen table, but I have that second screen now. I have mm. a 42-inch 4K TV on the wall. Now, the children still don't know that's a TV. We refer <laughs> to it as a monitor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. HDMI cable into the laptop, good to go. Yeah, and that was two hundred and fifty, three hundred dollars. So yeah, I'm not paying through the nose for a super duper computer monitor. The, the, the high def TVs are great now.
1: So going back to communication, so one is treat people like people uh, yeah. when you're connecting remotely. Two is get decent gear so that. It you aren't facing kind of difficulties getting the message across. Is there anything else in particular in terms of communication that on a kind of day-to-day operational basis, particularly when you're with a, a team of people that, mm. that, that comes to mind?
0: You've got to be more intentional if you're running a team, or, or even if you're part of a team, because you don't have the the casual interactions. Now, th- there's this technology that can help these days. We've mm-hmm. got like Slack, we've got things like all this presence technology that lets you know that the other guys in the team are on. If you like, they've got the little green dot next to their thing. And you can ping it quick text or you can at me- mention them and exchange information. So set up something that works. And it might be WhatsApp. It might be Slack. It, it can be any of these different tools, but set something up that allows multiple channels of communication, because for most people sending a Zoom link and, and everybody connecting at a particular time. And so it, it's easy now. It's very easy to do, but it's a hoop to jump through. And what you need to do is you need to break down as many barriers to the the general chit chat interactive type communication as you can so The more ways you can set people up to, to be able to interact easily, the better. I've heard of some teams now where they all agree, they're all working from home between certain hours or whatever. And they just say, we'll just open up a a Google meet or we'll open up a zoom call or whatever. And we'll all just be on. And if you're not in the room, you're not in the room. Doesn't worry. Don't worry about it. But it just means we can all have see each other in the screen and we can chat to each other if we need to and mute ourselves if we can't. And that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff works quite well now. Now, not everybody likes that and you've got to respect people's home spaces and it doesn't always work but but that kind of stuff can be quite useful
1: Do you have any tips on organizing
0: meetings Another little tip that I've used is... Are you finding at the moment that some days your kind of schedule is blocked out hour by hour and you get to the end of one meeting and it's 10 o'clock and you're straight on to another meeting at 11, 11 o'clock and then another one at 12 o'clock and all the rest of it? But a little trick that I've started to use with some of my teams is we always stop meetings at 10 to. Yeah. We start meetings on the hour and we stop meetings at 10 to the hour. So we never run up to the hour. That just gives everybody 10 minutes of downtime Yeah, because most people don't do that. Maybe the next meeting that they're going to, it probably starts on the hour because all most meetings tend to start on the hour or the half hour, don't they? No, no one ever starts a meeting at 17 minutes past. Just think about building in those little chunks of downtime in the day. When I schedule a meeting, we never run a meeting more than 50 minutes without a break. Mm -hmm. So if we're running, say, a two-hour meeting, the the 10 to is a break time now. So 10 to up to the hour, right, go outside, walk around. There's a little exercise that that I saw out of Stanford University a few months ago. And and it's really simple. You just hold your finger up in front of your face like this. Look at something 30 yards away and look at your finger and do that five or 10 times quickly. It forces your eye muscles to move in and out and it gets you away from that what one meter away from the the webcam that you've your eyes have been fixed to for the last 20 minutes half an hour 45 minutes or whatever and it's incredible how that actually just relaxes your head during a break so i put that in when the coffee cup comes up for a break or whatever i just go and do the eye exercise as well walk outside for a minute little things but these things that make a difference and then if you can schedule a few minutes at the beginning of the meeting before you start the meeting, just to do catch up, just to say to everybody, how, how is everything? How are you doing? Yeah. And, and tell everybody, we're going to spend the first 10 minutes of each meeting, just doing catch up or just bring you a cup of tea or your cup of coffee or whatever it is. And, and we'll just tell each other how things are going. No, no work discussion. That's, that's for a little while longer. You've got to build this stuff in now because it mm-hmm. doesn't happen. And you have to be much more intentional with your remote teams and your remote people for this stuff.
1: So speaking of remote teams, you were saying that you teach about management and, and virtual team management. From a teamwork perspective, what are the differences between in-person versus remote, let's say in the literature and the academic literature?
0: It's funny. The academic literature doesn't specifically differentiate a lot of the, the team bonding stuff and a lot of the team communication stuff is the same it's just more difficult okay the only kind of classic definitions of a virtual team are that that you are separated by distance and you're communicating electronically and that's it so that's most of us most of the time these days isn't it but it's the fact that there's more hoops to jump through and the communication isn't quite as effective on a Zoom call as it is in person, because you do lose the body language, you do lose the the verbal cues that you just pick up better somehow when that person's in the room and you're listening to them. Even though our cameras are pretty good these days, the microphones and the speakers are pretty good, you don't actually get quite the same amount of information back. So you've got to be more intentional, you've got to listen harder, don't always feel you've got to come back with an answer when people are talking. Sometimes just you don't have to come back with an answer, you don't have to give them anything, you just have to let them share and really think about what they're saying and then reflect back what you've just heard. This is a really effective technique in remote working. Okay, so you've said something and I say, okay, can I just tell you what I think you just said? And then you tell them back in your own words. And that, that's called reflection. But what it does is it confirms understanding because they're hearing back what you thought you'd heard. There's now a confirmation that what they just told you was heard and understood. Now, that's really important because remote workers very often feel isolated. They very often feel unheard. They very often feel unseen. Feeling positively heard is a really important skill for everybody who is working remotely to develop. It keeps people motivated, and it keeps people feeling that they're part of the team rather than just this person out wherever they are in the world that we're just using to get a job done.
1: Is there anything that you see that related to working from home that people should start doing? that they aren't or that they aren't doing enough
0: okay as i say i'm in dublin in ireland yesterday the irish government released the new legislation about disconnecting Mm. so now in ireland it's enshrined in law now that you're allowed to disconnect that you're allowed not to be on all the time
1: that's great Uh,
0: and i think this is important and i think increasingly we're seeing it in, in in different countries around the world because it's a problem i'm just as bad as everybody else. Yeah. I, I live in my laptop, but it's what I've started to do now. Sundays, for instance, right? unless there's just some crazy fire going on that has to be dealt with. I don't open the laptop on a Sunday because the drawer is too much, isn't it? It's almost like a drug, isn't it? We're almost addicted to our devices now. I, I don't open my laptop. I don't do emails. I don't anything, I don't process any videos, I try not to do any Zoom calls, nothing. A laptop-free day. Now, not everybody can do that, but get to a point in the evening, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, whatever it is, close the laptop, have dinner without a screen. Talk to the wife and the children and or the husband or whoever you've got it around or whatever. So the disconnection thing is important. I I think that's really important. Uh, Another thing that a lot of people perhaps haven't done, and, and again, it depends on your home situation. But if you can find a space at home to make the workspace, and it could just be a desk under the stairs. okay, But if you can find a place that you can make the workspace... Try and just work in that one place. And then when you step away from that, your home is your down space. Because what we're doing is we're losing that disconnect. When you go to the office's work and home is home, but we've lost that to a large extent recently. And it's very easy to lose that when you become a remote worker. If you sit on your bed or you sit on the sofa with your laptop then. Your bedroom shouldn't be a space where you've got work in your head. Your bedroom should be a, a safe space to relax and to sleep. And the same with your sofa. I never take the laptop in the lounge. So when I walk into the lounge, I'm not working. <laughs> I'm going to be playing with the kids or we'll maybe watch a bit of TV or whatever. So try and create some kind of separation within your home environment between a workspace and a, and a a non-works basically
1: Is there anything that you see that you think people should stop doing, that it's really unproductive or not good for them or, or something else?
0: Give yourselves breaks. I, I find at home, I can sit down at 8 o'clock in the morning uh, and the next time I get up, it's 1 o'clock. And I've done four or five straight hours staring at a screen, working solid, all the rest of it. You're less productive than you think. When you do (laughs) you you think I'm working really hard, I'm working, I'm really busy. Um, This is fantastic. I've just done five solid hours. Yeah. Who are you fooling? You've done five solid hours and you're wrecked and your head's wrecked. And probably those last two hours were pretty unproductive. So set an alarm every hour. Yeah. And just give yourself five minutes, walk away, walk outside, breathe the air. Do your eye exercises twice a day. Take half an hour and walk around the park or walk around the block, Okay, get a little bit of exercise. People are not doing this. Mm. Not everybody is doing this. And this is so simple. And there's Mm. loads of research to back all this stuff up about the need for regular short exercise. And you only need 10 or 15 minutes. If you've got one of these watches, on. It it beeps at you, doesn't it? And it says, get up and walk around, get your next stand hour in and stuff like that. You need eight more minutes to get your move goal and all the rest of it. Well, listen to these things because they're actually, those algorithms are, are quite clever and it's nice. They've gamified it. So do get exercise and do give yourself breaks. That's why the 10 to the hour thing works really well. Encourage your people to just give themselves those little bits of downtime and set the working expectations for your teams we have to allow people to set these schedules because they're now sitting at home and the schedules don't set themselves automatically by having to commute to work and then come home so that they, this this still has to be more proactively managed i think by by everybody
1: i was talking with a friend about the standards that you set as a team lead yes. of when you send emails to the team, for example, or how you communicate. And there's a certain element of showing an example that at least implicitly people are going to expect to follow. What are other specific things that leaders can do themselves to help model the right approach to their teams?
0: I think that's a great question. And the question is almost the answer isn't it? So you have to model the behaviors that you're looking for your people to to take. So if you don't want people bugging you as a manager at 12 at night, you know, or whatever, don't be sending emails to them at 12 at night saying is that presentation ready? I'll need it in the morning. Okay. Once your people know what's expected of them and and they know that you've got these kind of breaks allowed if you like, then You stick to those as well, because if you're sending emails outside those times, that's no good. A very simple little thing is adding something to the bottom of your email that says, you may have received this email outside normal working hours. However, yeah, I don't expect you to answer it outside of normal working hours. Feel free to leave it until the morning or or after the weekend or whatever. Because again, when we're working in different time zones, I might be sending it in my working hours and it, it comes into your email in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very common when we're working across multiple time zones and having something like that in in your email and getting all the team to use that type of thing. Again, it's just a little visual signal, isn't it, that that things are okay.
1: How do you think things will look a few years out in terms of the world of work and teamwork and I th- where where are we going in your opinion?
0: Anybody who doesn't have to have hands-on in a physical location, I think we'll be in a hybrid mode going forward. But that's going to need all kinds of changes. That's going to need legislative changes. That's going to impinge on things like insurance. We've got a tsunami of insurance claims coming. (laughs) 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 Because, Because, to be honest, the last year has been this honeymoon period, I think, where everybody has said, you've got to work from home and, and don't come into the office. So many companies haven't done anything about sending proper chairs home to people or getting them the right equipment. And I think there's going, to be, there's going to be some interesting times ahead around all that stuff.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Never thought about that. Mm-hmm. So where's the best place for people to reach out and find out a bit more about the consulting that you do?
0: Yeah, um, houghton.consulting, www.houghton.consulting is the website. I do a blog as well at joehoughton.substack.com and I quite regularly put articles on there about working from home and, and optimizing remote working and stuff like that. And yeah, I enjoy doing the mentoring and training both in person where that's appropriate but increasingly remotely via via Zoom now. So yeah, anybody's interested and I can help, feel free to reach out and, and give me a shout.
1: Great. Thanks a lot.
0: So that was a great discussion with Joe.
1: I think my biggest action item as I said at the beginning was probably around gear. I Liked the idea of getting a laptop stand. I already have a few screens hooked up together, and the laptop stands a bit awkwardly next to it, and the screen isn't quite at the same level, whereas I think this brings it in line. I think another thing which I mentioned myself, but I think this whole idea of having an external uh, docking station where you can hook up multiple screens is really important, and that's one of the few things that research... UX research shows actually does improve performance. So I think that combination seems to be quite powerful. I still am waiting for my laptop stand to come in in the post, but should be here soon. In terms of takeaways, though, I think Joe brought home the importance of listening. It's tough out there. People are really feeling stressed out. They're feeling lonely. We're really having difficult conditions to work. And as a manager this ability to listen is a really important skill set, if not even way of being. Sure, active listening is a useful technique, but ultimately really hearing people out and understanding where they're coming from, similar to the way Patty Beach described shuva, I think, makes it uh, much better, makes your team a better place to work, ultimately. So tune in next time. We've got a great episode lined up around collaboration in a completely different part of the company. So in the marketing side and how that ties in with uh, the rest of the company. So see you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Managing Remote Teams podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts and reach out to us on Twitter or LinkedIn with any feedback or thoughts that you have for a future show.